and my grandma was already there and she was just on the ground just crying and and that's that broke me you're listening to trade mutt's 120 grit podcast the podcast for the working class hosted by dan allen and ed ross the co-founders of trade mutt if you're a fan of trade mutt's 120 grit we'd love to hear what you think Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at admin at trademutt.com. Ben Brooksby is a fifth-generation farmer from St Helens Plains in Western Victoria who works on his family property growing crops and breeding sheep. After posting a near-naked picture of himself online where he was strategically covering himself in a truckload of grain, the picture went viral and started a movement. Now farmers all over the country are stripping down and taking creative photos of themselves with the tagline... It takes guts to get your gear off as it takes guts to talk about mental health. However, behind the fun approach to conveying a message about vulnerability, Ben, the naked farmer himself, has a story of his own. But first, here's a message about our legendary sponsors who make this podcast for the working class possible. Quote Spec is the newest building and construction quoting app created and designed by a working builder. Produce job-winning professional quotes in minutes with Quote Spec's cloud-based quoting software. Get your free trial at www.quotespec.com and be prepared to get your life back. Get it back. Just make sure you press record. Well, that's already recorded. You're, you, <laughs> that's literally the first thing you've said on the podcast. All right. <laughs> we are back in the 120 Grit studio today with, we usually have special guests in here, but you are a very special guest today. We've got... Ben Brooks, Ben Brooksby, bit of a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, normally, normally, uh, normally he's bearing a bit of flesh, but he's fully clothed today. Thank God. A uh, a farmer, grain and uh, livestock farmer from St Helens in Victoria. Yep, that's right. Yep, and founder of the incredible movement, the Naked Farmer. He's been getting farmers in rural and remote communities uh, to take their kit off for a little while now and we're about to find out about it all mate welcome to the studio yeah thank you for having me it's an absolute honor mate it's great to have you in here uh have a bit of a yarn about your journey the story and uh yeah what what you've been up to it's gonna be fantastic why do you have clothes on i feel like <laughs> why are you clothed at the <laughs> moment do you want me to take them off <laughs> <laughs> are we not special enough or you know we'll leave that for the end we will we will so I suppose for me, I remember when you were on the project, must have been yep. about 18 months ago, a year yeah, ago? Yeah, just over a year ago. Just over a year yeah. ago? Yeah. No, it was, yeah, it was June, July, I reckon. And yeah. it was unbelievable. I just remember the, yeah, I was like, wow, this thing's epic. And you had something like 60,000, 70,000 people on Instagram and yep. now you've got 100,000. Mm-hmm. Um, mate, tell us about The Naked Farmer. Yeah, so The Naked Farmer, what it is basically, it's a social media based platform that's used to be a voice for farmers. Um, I'll go into like how it'll start and that type of thing. But um, yeah, so basically what we do, we post a photo each day, um, generally between six and eight, depending where you are, of course. Um, But each day we post a photo about, um, sometimes we do like an inspirational quote or something a bit funny just to make people laugh. Um, and sometimes we actually share their mental health story if they feel comfortable doing so. And it's pretty incredible to see, um, yeah, see the posts that we actually put out there and I'm honoured to, you know, tell their story on their behalf. So basically 
in a nutshell, that's what the naked farming is. We post photos each day. Um, we also um, have a lot of other projects too, like our calendars, and we do tours and and all that type of thing. But um, yeah, I can talk talk for hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, no, I, could, I love so it. I no. don't know how much. Well, there's so much synergy because I remember when I saw it, I was like, shit, that's such a simple idea. That's brilliant because I mean, people that vulnerability side which you're working on with people getting their kit off anyway. Yep. I mean. They're obviously enjoying doing it and loving sending those photos through, and then and then getting the message. I mean, it's a it's an amazing amazing thing. Well, it's a little bit going. a little bit risque, isn't it? You know, it people is. people have. I like the way people play with the way they hide their bits. I yeah. think people must have a lot of fun. No, when they're <laughs> naked, when they hide their bits, you know what I mean. Like, I think they must have a lot of fun figuring out how they're going to do that. It's pretty cool when you're scrolling through the Instagram or Facebook or something, and it, you see like yeah, everyone's ideas and there's some pretty. Cool photos on there. Like, I just bloody so oath. creative bloody for sure. Oath. But I just see like there's you know I've seen pictures on horses and you've got you know people on machinery and all sorts of stuff and they're naked when they get up there. There's obviously someone taking the photo. There's yep. no way they can protect themselves the whole <laughs> way up. You know I reckon there must have been a few slip ups when they're kind of getting in position or whatnot. Yeah, you probably should come to a few photo shoots. It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see some of the behind the scenes stuff to be honest. Yeah. Well, no comment. One yeah. day. <laughs> one day. Yeah. Mate, well, let's let's get a bit more of your. Your personal background. So yep, you yep. are you born and bred in uh, outside Horsham? There is it. Yeah, I am. So on the property that I'm at, um, which is at St Helens Plains, we um, it's me and my dad on the property at the moment. Um, well, I live on the property by myself. Dad lives in town, but it, both of us work the farm, so it's just the two of us. We've got um, under five thousand acres, and we do mainly cropping. Yep. Um, so we grow, you know, wheat, barley, lentils, chickpeas, fava beans, canola, vetch hay, and then we have um, sheep as well. So we've got about a thousand breeder ewes, um, and yeah, so it's just me and dad managing all that. So it's a bit of a handful, and and now that uh, I'm spending more time on the naked farmer and that type of thing, it's getting harder and harder to juggle. But um, but yeah, dad's an absolute true legend, and um, and he's handling it all. We I actually lost my grandpa in January this year and um yeah he was a absolute workhorse as you could imagine as an older generation and um he basically worked up till you know you know December that the year before and um yeah so yeah it's just me and dad now and just yeah on the farm mate awesome yeah how uh how old is your grandfather he was 78 he had cancer yeah okay wow to push through that and to yeah, still be working, working through up. it. Oh, he, like, you know, he would come to work, he would be working, then he would have to have a sit down for 10 minutes and he would get up and do something else. Like, he just did not stop. Like, he was like, had chemo and radiation and everything, but, you know, he'll have a bit of a spew and keep going. Like <laughs> That's what, ke- like, that's one of the most important things, though, isn't it? Like, you know, people don't want their lives to change, even though they might mm. have such, you know, you know, awful health And he had a huge like belief that, you know, if he stopped, he was going to die. Yeah. So uh, he just kept pushing through. Pushing through Understandable and, and he just wanted to get the farm set up Like he was You know Fixing all the fences To make sure that If something happened And he was in hospital For a week or whatever Getting his radiation That everything was okay Yeah and, You know he was, Yeah That's the man that he was Just thinking about Everyone else but himself Pretty much And Yeah If I could be half the man that he is I'd be Yeah Truly happy So how did you get to How did you get to here So tell us about your, your sort of Growing up Your childhood Like you know You've obviously always been From the land Yeah so um, Yeah so Grew up on the farm Parents uh, Mum and dad And I have a brother And a sister They're both older than me 
And at the age of about five or six, my parents split up. Um, and that, yeah, so that was a very challenging time um, during that period. And, you know, trying to sort out custody and all that stuff that you got to do. Um, and as a five-year-old, you'd sort of have no idea what's going on. And I remember having to go down to Melbourne to go to the big court thing for the final, you know, custody and all that stuff with us kids. And I remember walking into this room and us kids had our own solicitor. <laughs> and Tina, my sister, Tina, she said to me, she said, just copy everything I say because I had no idea what was happening and got in there he introduced himself and whatever and then he goes right so what parent do you like better your mum or your dad and I sat there and I was just like oh fuck, bloody hell like what do I say and then my brother's like oh dad and my sister's like mum and dad I like them I love them both equally and so I said that too that's what I was meant to say and that was the end of the custody like that's what actually got decided and so my brother was with my dad the whole time and um yeah, during the week I was with my mum and then weekends I was with my dad sort of thing. So growing up that was how it worked and um, that was challenging, you know, as it's a pretty common thing now to have split parents. It's very common. I mean, I've been through a similar situation, but it's not something that you want to – a child at that age, that is, you can't ever be asking someone who they like better. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like that's just not a position that it's you want to be bloody traumatic experience for a child to go through. Yeah, I it mean. was – yeah, I was, and yeah, the whole process, so confusing and getting – um, I remember getting taken from school and put into this car with this mysterious person that I'd no, I've never seen this lady in my life, and ended up getting taken to this house, and then I, then my mum was there, and um, and yeah, mum basically kidnapped me from school because, yeah, it was just like yeah, it was crazy, yeah, absolutely well, yeah. crazy, but. It's a bit. It's a bit hectic. What what goes on when you know in that family dynamic? When you know when when you go through a divorce, there's such you know really heightened emotions. Yeah, and you know absolutely. both your parents are in situations they don't want to be in, and it's just it ends up kids being stuck in the middle of it, and mm. not by choice, but bugger me, it does some doesn't that leave some marks, you know, on a child's in a child's mind, right? Oh, hundred percent. And I think that's what um, sort of eventuated into my anxiety and and a bit of depression and that type of thing. Um, growing up and not wanting to be alone or um, in a room or anything. And, um, yeah, like I never did a school sports, swimming sports, never did school camps, um, hated going to shops and that type of thing. Um, and, yeah, like hated going to like sh Melbourne show and I remember going to a Melbourne show and I was shitting myself the whole time. Um, and, yeah, would never want to go to like concerts or never wanted to – do things that is meant to be fun. I just didn't think it was fun. And um, as embarrassing as it is to say, I couldn't even, you know, shower or bath myself, like be alone in the room till I was about 10. Um, and, yeah, so got to high school, same story, never did a school sports or anything like that. And got to year 12, got my licence. And um, one evening I was driving around town with a couple of mates and, you know, as you do when you get your license, just follow each other around and then... <laughs> Mainies. <got>, yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, got down the main street and I started getting like... I started couldn't breathe properly and then started sweating and um, and started shaking. And I had, so I had to stop 
and pulled over and my mates thought I was just joking around because I was the joker of the group and everyone's you know what's been up to now um but yeah so I was, after about 10 minutes I sort of come good I was sitting there shaking and I was fully conscious the whole time and everything um, so it wasn't anything too serious like serious enough but I thought shit I'm having a stroke or a heart attack or something like something's not right and so after yeah five ten minutes gathered myself and I said right I, I gotta go home and home is half an hour from from the town so I started driving home by myself and then got about halfway and I could feel it happening again I'm like oh no it is a stroke or a heart attack you know how it happens a couple of times and like you can have sort of episodes and um and yeah i had to pull over again happened again and then i gathered myself up started driving home again and got to the driveway and felt it happening once again i was like i just need to get home dad was living at home at this stage flew down the driveway i remember stalling the car in the driveway lucky luckily that was a manual and um ran inside ran down the hallway screaming out to dad opened up his bedroom door and he just launched out of bed and like bear hugged me he thought i had an accident or something and he's just like why are you a ball of sweat what's what's going on um like yeah and i'm like i don't know i just don't feel good i something's not right um this and this is happening and he goes you're having a heart attack we've got to get into town Something's, something's not right. No, like, seriously, yeah, like, yeah. I was beside myself. Yeah, yeah. And so that half an hour trip into town took 10 minutes with Dad driving and um, got in there. They hooked me up to all these machines. So you're still going through this sort of episode while that was all happening? Like, you didn't... I had the three. Um, yeah. And then... On the drive into town with your old man, you were still like, holy shit, it's all... Uh, in, yeah, I didn't have a full-on yeah, yeah, yeah. attack, but it was... Still prominent. Still like you prominent, were, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was still sweating and everything. But yeah. once I got to the hospital, I was half fine. And, yeah, then they did all these tests and couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, got to about, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning. They said, right, I, we can't, don't know, like basically go home. You're fine. And, um, and then because I had my license and everything, I'd be doing the grocery shopping and that because dad could never get to town because work was too hectic. And um, one thing that I couldn't do was ever going to a supermarket or a shop or anything, but I didn't want to let dad down. So I'd have my, you know, grocery list to a T, have aisle by aisle and get in and out as quick as I could. I could do a full trolley grocery shop in like five minutes. I was pretty talented. It's a skill. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so once I'd get the trolley full, go to go out and go to go through that checkout and I would just freak and I could feel it happening again and it happened five times in a row but I'd get the trolley go down the dog food aisle ditch the trolley and just run out and go home and I'd have to call grandma up and be like oh I'm a bit busy can you get some groceries for me so grandma would get what I needed and I was sort of safe but grandma cottoned on after a while and she sat me down and she's like, oh, what's going on with, like, how can you can't do the grocery shopping? And I said, oh, I just don't don't like people, don't like, you know, dealing with all that type of thing and what happens if my card doesn't work and, you know, all those sort of thoughts. And she goes, you know, that happens to me too, happens to your aunties, it's normal. I think you're having, you know, a bit of anxiety. And she's like, let's go talk to our family doctor. 
So we went and caught up with her, sat down with her, and she, um, yeah, she basically said, yep, anxiety attacks, it's normal. We'll, you know, do a bit of a plan of how we're going to, um, you know, help you with this situation. And um, and from there we sort of worked towards, started working towards something, but it um, never really, I never really got a hold on it. She wanted me to go on medication, but it was something that I, I would do that, but if it was at a certain point where I tried everything else um, and then I got to that point. Um, so I would try anything. Like I had a rock in my pocket for a while and I would literally, if I felt anxious, just rub this rock. Um, didn't work for me. But it's, yeah, that's one thing. Another thing, we did like a hierarchy with the doctor. So we did like a 10 to 1. So you had to work your way up. So number 10 was like um, make a phone call and number nine was something else and number five was, you know, do a small grocery shop or whatever. Number one was a full grocery shop. Um, and I never really got a hold of that until later on. But yeah, yeah. Did you know what anxiety was before all that? Sort no of idea. No. Yeah. I remember. I actually, I've never just spoke about that before. But I've been. I remember sitting in health class and my teacher writing down, you know, all the mental health, and we were learning about mental health. And he wrote anxiety on the board. No idea what it was. And he didn't really explain it that well. And in the, like in the, at lunchtime, I asked one of my friends and she's like, oh, I have anxiety. And I'm like, what is it? Can you explain it to me? And she tried to explain it to me, but I still didn't understand it. Like I still had no idea. Um, I just thought you got the shakes or something. Like I didn't know that it was, yeah, I had no idea. So no, I had no idea until yeah well, the best the best thing that i like that dan and i've heard was like yeah um nick sullen who we work with a bit like he's easiest way of describing is like depressions you know shit that's happened to you in the past and anxiety yep. shit that's gonna happen you know you're worried about happening in the future you know mm. and it's just like yeah but you don't you aren't taught this stuff no you know what i mean no <laughs> like, and like that's the thing like we were in, in like in that health class and he was teaching us but it didn't go in didn't come through yeah <laughs> and the way that he was doing it probably wasn't great either. Like, I think no that's. I that think teaching. that's. <laughs> I won't mention that. It's <laughs> a pretty good example of how you know it's all well and good to talk to people, or you can explain to people what you know anxiety is, or what depression is, or you know it's like you know, trying to explain to someone what physical fitness is. But there's so many different forms of it. And it's not until you experience it for yourself, hundred percent, that you can really understand it. And the fact that what causes me anxiety is completely different to what causes you anxiety. Yep. And as irrational as it might seem when you think about it with a logical mind, it doesn't make it any easier. Yeah. It yep. doesn't make it any easier. And, for, and to the point where it's coming out physically, like sweating and shaking and all that sort of stuff, like that's like that's a yeah, a physical response to, you know, an emotional situation, yeah. I suppose. And yep. you, like it's, yeah, it's scary stuff. Like it must have, you know, been really frightening for you. Oh, yeah, it was. Not knowing. And like the way that you just explained that was when I went up to – I did my mainland Australia tour and I, you know, went around Australia and caught up with farmers and did our photo shoots and that. I got up to uh, the Pilbara to a station called Kawieta Station and caught up with Camille Camp. She's an absolute legend. Um, and she spoke about her mental health struggles and it was um, anorexia. And I, I, like, I know what it is and 
I thought I sort of understood a little bit. But the way that she explained it was incorrect. Like, it really hit home for me. But I still can't fully understand it until you experience it yourself. So that's I, – I totally agree with that. You don't understand anxiety or depression until you're in that sort of situation fully. You can – to a degree. Yeah, you can have an understanding of it, I suppose, but unless you, yeah, until you've been there, then you know exactly, you know, how that feels. And I think that's also why a lot of people, I mean, probably that situation for you, like that's, you know, not severe. I mean, maybe it is a bit severe. Well, it sounds like know. it was completely controlling, you know, yeah. you as a person. Oh, like it was, yeah. And yeah. I, I'm interested with the, the doctor you were speaking to, like, you know, she was wanting to put you on medication and stuff like that, but was there any time where it was sort of like trying to debunk it and be like well, what's actually causing this uh not per se no 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 the main thing was that hierarchy that we worked on um yeah. but that wasn't going back to the roots of what actually caused it or anything like that so there was no discussion like that and i never went and saw a can an actual counselor and yeah. about it so um, did, you, did you work out to actually find out what that root cause was like do you know what that root cause was well i asked my mum about it um, and she mentioned um, about when I was I was about five, and my brother Chris he had a back big back operation because he um, his back his spine isn't straight, so he got bolts and stuff put in there, and um, yeah, and it, this is before my parents split up, but it was um, yeah. So my mum and dad had to stay in Melbourne with him, and I had to go home with my grandma and grandpa, and I, and I still remember this so clearly of mum having to hand me over to grandma to come home and um, I remember screaming that hospital down, like, no, tomorrow. I didn't want to leave mum and dad. And she, basically, grandma ripped me off mum and got into the elevator and, and yeah, I just remember those elevated doors closing and I would have been fine after that and I can't remember after that for that matter, but. Yeah, but like, a moment like that, yeah, it's sort of etched in your memory. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Being separated from your folks in a in what is already a traumatic situation. A hospital is a big, sort of scary place for yeah. for a young yeah. kid. And, yeah. You know, you're still scary now. Yeah, yeah, seeing that and being separated at that time. I mean, there's so many things for a kid. They're like the unknown, the fear. Like it's just you know, and at that time, all you want is your parents, and that is. Although they whole they're your whole world. Yeah, and yeah, and like I, like, but I was going with my grandparents, like. I absolutely idolise them and I'm fine with them. Like, mm. they used to look yeah, after me all the time. still, there's something in you that tells you that, shit, this is my brother, these are my parents, as something's going down yeah. here, even though I don't fully understand it. And whatever it is in you, it's like, I need to be here with, the, these are my like my main people right mm. here and I need them. Like, yeah. That's sort of, I'm interested to know when, <laughs> at what point of time, at what point in time the switch happened because now you're on stage talking in front of... yeah. Like, it's and that's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, just to piggyback on that as well, you know, a lot of people say, or Sado always says, like, adulthood is like just unfucking what happened to you when you were a kid, like, mm. through your childhood. And I think that's super common. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, I can certainly relate to that myself. And I'm sure, you know, just to hearing that story from you, that's probably what, you know, you've spent a lot of your time doing, like, figuring out that anxiety, where it's yep. all come from. Yeah. So, where did that switch kind of happen? Yeah, so um, this happened about, it was only about three years ago. Mm. Um, I was about 21 or 22 at the time. Um, it was just me and my brother living at home on our family farm. Um, and, yeah, we are all at the footy one day and 
I got a phone call from one of my neighbours, Roslyn, and she called me up and she goes, oh, Ben, is there, are you burning some rubbish down there or something? And um, I'm like, no, no rubbish. And she goes, oh, there's a bit of black smoke down there. I said, oh, and straight away I thought, hay shed, like, and um, so I'm like, can you go down and check, call the fire brigade if it is, and I'm on my way straight away. Um, so, yeah, got in the car, started going, and then she called back and she said, Ben, I don't want to be the one to tell you this, but it is, it's your house, it's your, f- it's your family home, and, um, and it is gone. Just take your time coming home, no rush to come home. I've called the fire brigade. Everything's looked after. Just get here as, you know, when you can. And, yeah, that 45-minute drive home from that from stall to home, and I did it in about half an hour or 20 minutes or something. But, um, yeah, that was the things going through your head coming home. Like, you know, is it the whole house? Is it, you know, what's left? Like, mm. let's get there. And in my head I had, you know, we've got our own fire truck that we use on the farm. Like, right, I need to get this straight to the house and do this. And, you know, got garden hoses here, 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 but got there. And I remember driving down our road and we live on a plane, so there's no trees around. And you could see the lights from ages away of all the fire trucks there. And I got to the end of my driveway and looked down and you could see all the flames and, um, and there was cars everywhere. The whole community, was there just helping out, doing what they could, and and there's about forty people standing in front of the house just looking at it, and and I remember, yeah, I was looking at the people first before I even looked at the house for some reason, and yeah, saw them, and then looked at the house as I was driving past it, and yeah, it just it just hit you, and it's just like shit, like that's everything, that's our farm, that's our f- history, that's. Yeah, everything. So I parked the Ute and and ran over and and my grandma was already there and she was just on the ground just crying and and that's that broke me that that point when I saw her just you know, she raised my dad and my aunties there and and then dad raised us kids there and it's just yeah, all that history gone. But um that's yeah. that. That's um. I mean, that's certainly that fucking story that gives me tingles. Um, that's I can't imagine what that must be like. I mean, what? I mean, for starters, to see all those people there who were there, like sense of community. I mean, that's awesome. But I guess to see it all, to see it all gone, that must have just been the most sinking feeling that you've ever experienced in your life. Mm, that was that. That was rock bottom. Yeah, one hundred percent. That everything. Yeah. Everything was gone, and all I had was I wasn't even wearing my own clothes. I only had my socks, jocks, and my ute and my tennis rackets in my ute. And that was it. So talk us through the the processing of that in the, I guess immediately, and then the days, weeks, and months after yep. that. Because how did you start to come to terms with it, and what was the thought process like for yourself and the family? Yeah. So the very first, like I remember. Going back into town, I was staying. I stayed with a mate um, that night, and you know we went and brought socks and jocks and just some stuff to get through, some toothbrush and that type Probably of thing. Probably a couple beers as well, I would imagine, or yeah. something. You know, yeah. just to yeah. Uh, and 
yeah, I still remember to this day. We just made jokes about it a little bit and she took a Snapchat of me and I was eating tea at her house and um, – oh, eating tea at like 10 o'clock at night, mind <laughs> you. But, um, yeah, and her Snapchat said, just feeding the homeless. <laughs> but, like – Humor, it just gets you through the hardest it situations, does. and that's it? just what we. I, I just kept doing. I just kept reflecting it straight back into humor, and feeding the home. Literally one of the best coping mechanisms. I think it is. Yeah, I, I'm uh, sure because it, it did get me through to a degree. That is a quality bit of banter. I had a downtime. Yeah, wow. Um, but yeah, it didn't really hit. Like, it wasn't until probably like three or four months after that it really. Hit home, sunk in, yeah. Reality, 100%. yeah. Is, is there probably the things you thought of and like, oh shit, that's gone too. You yeah, know, that would have happened heaps. Yeah, like baby albums, passport. I was going. I actually had a trip booked to Europe. I pushed myself to book this trip with a few mates to make me do something that I knew that I couldn't do. Um, so I booked this trip and and yeah, house went down. So there goes my passport, and I had a month to get all that sorted. My birth certificate sorted. I had to go down to Melbourne and sort all that shit out. And, and yeah, so, um, yeah. Is there the whole, yeah, I don't know. Is it, so, obviously, you've lost everything, but is there was the mindset ever, well, at least we've got, at least we're still alive, at least the family's okay. Like, did that help you at all, or I suppose? Yeah, it did. And that's, like, at the end of the day, that's what's important. Yes, we lost, you know, my grandpa's, my great-grandpa's journals and, you know, everything from the farm all the you know that type of stuff but all the history and all this but at the end of the day no one was hurt if we were in bed and that happened who knows if we were going to be still here and sometimes i think if i was there could have i stopped it um but at the same time you do have to find the positives in the negative and i know i'm a huge strong believer of that and when the house did burn down um, it was about yeah three or four months after and we all sat down as a family and we decided to rebuild and grandma, grandpa and dad yeah, sat me down and they said, righto, we want you to be in charge of the rebuild. This is your future family farm home and for generations to come make it something special um, and yeah, go crazy. Like make it, you know, a good foundation for, for generations and straight away I was like, Nah, no way I could walk into, you know, tile shops and builders <laughs> and architects. This, and this anxiety was gripping you, wasn't it? Oh, 100%. But, like, what yeah. was your thought? Like, I'm curious as, like, what what were your thoughts about what was going to happen? Like, what did you foresee things? Like, if you had to go to a tile shop, what was what, what freaked you out about that? Like, what was stopping you from going um, and doing that? I don't actually 100% know. I guess it's, like, the human contact and actually, like, getting them to take me for real, I guess. and So it was like talking um, to people? Yeah, talking to people. Um, Probably a lot of fear about what you don't know as well, like the unknown stuff. Like yeah. Who knows what might happen? Or And like if I ever did go into a clothing store and I was like with my grandma or someone or even by myself, if I did push myself to do it, as soon as I walk in, I would look around the shop, pick out some people that I knew or something or like make sure that I – you know, walk to the men's side, not the female side in the shop. Or like, I'll take notes on everything. Um, or like, in a supermarket, it's what worries me the most is my card not working. 
at the checkout or holding up the person behind me when I'm going through the checkout. Like, I don't want to be inconvenient to anyone else. Mm. I just want to please everyone else, I guess. Mm. But, um, yeah, so I'd always have my card. Um, I'd have a backup, like my borrow my dad's card, and I'd always have cash in my wallet. And just a checkbook just in case. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'd have backup there just in case it yeah. didn't work. And yeah. then, you know, you put your card details in, like, shit, I've got to remember the passcode now. And then that anxiety comes on and you're like, you fuck it up. So Did, did you, like, have trouble sleeping and stuff? Like, switching off? Because, like, it sounds like you, your brain oh, yeah. was just always worried about the next thing and you're like, fuck, what is going to, yeah. you know. What so I, I actually went to Ag College at Longadong and if I had to go there on a Wednesday or something, I would be up all night and I would be worrying about it. Like, yeah, like no tomorrow. And whenever I had Italian in primary school, I would stay up all night and I would physically, like, I would make myself sick so that I didn't have to go to school the next day. Fuck, that is, mate, this is like, like, and there would be so many people going through that. Not uncommon, mate. Like, hey, fucking so many not, people. Not but uncommon. I suppose the thing is, you're so, you're so anxious that there's no way you're going to go see anyone for help because you're fucking anxious about that. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're fucking stuck between a rock and a hard place. Like, yeah. And, and I've never actually thought about that either. Like, like, like <laughs> no way I want, like, I didn't even want to talk to anyone about it because yeah. I just didn't feel comfortable well, you, you probably didn't you even really know, know what's going on. Yeah, you, you, you don't fuck, know what's You've got no idea what's happened to I you. I didn't even know what anxiety was until <laughs> I did talk to someone. So so, yeah. so, how'd you pick the tiles for the house then? <laughs> talk us through it. Yeah, so um, at the time, uh, my dad was actually dating the builder's sister. So that first conversation was over the dinner table with the builder and how it all worked and um, what I had to do and all this. And then I had to go to the architect was the next step. And... Um, he worked at the back of his house and I remember sitting at the front of his house and shitting myself. I was like sweating like no tomorrow just to go back there. But at, always in my mind, I'm like, right, I'm not going to let my family down. I'm going to do this. And yeah, it's, it's my time to shine. I need to do do it. So um, yeah, did that. And then I started, you know, having to pick out tiles and curtains and stuff like that. And and my builder would always check up on me and just be like, right, you need to do this this week, sort this out, or you need to finalise this idea or whatever. And um, and he really pushed me. And and I'm really thankful for that now because if my house didn't burn down or if that never happened, I don't think I would ever have got on top of my anxiety. And something so negative and rock bottom of you know losing my house, like you cannot get any worse than that. But the positive out of that was I learned to control my anxiety. And, yeah, it's like... It's and, really cool. And a silver lining. Yeah, like... You think your family knew that um, lumping that responsibility on you, they they must have known. They must have known that this was, you know, going to make you, right? Yeah, well, like, uh, maybe. I don't know. Like, well, it did, so... Do you reckon they understood where you were at, though, with all your anxiety? Like, did they... Yeah, did, the, did they know everything that was going on? No. They, did, they didn't. No one knew anything. Um, grandma knew a little bit. Mm. Um, but you were just concealing it all, pretty much. Yeah. And, yeah. like, you know, going to that doctor with Grandma that first time, I would go by myself after that because, um, you know, like, I told the doctor everything. And, um, and then, yeah, it's like, yeah... I don't know. Wow. It's so... What a story. It's, yeah. it's, it's really cool. It's it's awesome. And it, lucky you had a good builder who 
talked you through the process. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and, and imagine if that was a shit. Fuck. Like imagine if the building process was a shit. Like turned out shit. I mean, yeah. fuck. Imagine the hole you would have ended up in then. Did yeah. you working with the architect? Like how? Yeah. How sort of uh, did you enjoy that? Like, did you enjoy that designing I process or like did they did. Sort of walk so through? at the point, yeah. So I actually ended up drawing our own, my own design, how I wanted the house because we got grampians in front of our house. So I wanted it to be, you know, all facing that and all this other stuff. So I drew hundreds. What are we talking? Like floor plans on just a floor piece plans. of paper? Yeah, paper? just floor yeah, plans yeah, on yeah. a piece of paper. Yeah, Nothing yeah. too extravagant. Yeah. Um, and then end up going to the architect and be like, this is what I want. Just, you know, do what you got to do. And he just you know, did all the measurements and stuff and changed my drawing completely because things didn't fit in where you think yeah, it yeah. fit in. But, um, yeah, it turned out awesome. And wow. I did enjoy that. Yeah, bit. cool. How long did the build take? Um, probably about probably 12 months all up. Yeah, okay. Or nine. You must have felt really know. bloody accomplished when you, like, that first day on the deck, you got a deck, got a back deck, patio. Uh, sort of, yeah. 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 Well, that's um, area. Just like a veranda, yeah, veranda right around. But Must have felt good chilling out there the, the first time when it was all done, and you've actually achieved it and accomplished it. It was actually my first shower in that house, and I remember get, being under the shower. And I was just like, "This is cool. Look at me. I'm showering yeah. on my own. Yeah. <laughs> built the bloody yeah. shower. The bloody. So, did you like? Was there a a point through that process where you're like, "Fuck, I got this." You know what I mean? Like you felt the, sh- the change? Like was there a point? Was there a moment? Was Or was it just a, a progression through that build that you yeah. just got more I think confidence? about probably three quarters through and um, I remember pick- I was in the tile shop and I actually enjoyed going in there because everyone was awesome in there and they were excited about, you know, how what I picked out and they wanted to see how it ended up and it actually ended up being fun to go into these shops because I actually, you know, made a connection and we all got along and all that type of thing. But, um, yeah, it's, it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool to feel confident towards the end. That's awesome. And I think that's all, well, from my perspective, my understanding of anxiety is all anyone needs, isn't it? It's just, just a bit of confidence. You just need to feel a bit of confidence that you can actually do it and you are a strong person you know and you can yeah. actually achieve more than what you think you can and those psychological barriers that have stopped you yeah from walking into the supermarket and all that sort of stuff and you always think that people are watching you but really yeah. everyone's in their no own one little cares. world no one could give a shit no. but yeah. everyone is in their little fucking world so yeah. yeah you're not wrong that's awesome so yeah. wow congratulations mate that's really cool like uh, i think a lot of people will get a whole lot out of that story themselves because you know pete like we are inherently strong you know more resilient than what we give ourselves credit for i think a lot of the time yeah but but the thing is uh, like with your story for instance there would be a lot of people in your situation and exactly what you went through sort of being like well fuck my situation like i don't want to hamper anyone with what i'm going through because like it's not really that bad like it's i can't go to the shopping center you know like no but it's yeah i know it is but to you it's like well i don't want to put anyone out you know what i mean yeah. like that was your thing i don't fuck, well, you know my thing's not that bad but really it was it was gripping your whole everything you were oh, doing yeah you know what i mean so i think yeah your story is pretty important for for people out there to actually yeah check in where they're at and be mm. like well fuck and like now that i've got a control of it i still have anxiety don't get me wrong like you know it, it's it's normal to get feel anxious <laughs> about sure. doing stuff for like, sure you're preaching like I've got a big talk tomorrow and before I go on that stage, I'll be shitting bricks. 
Like, well, no mate, well, people are people are more scared to public speak than they are of dying. So, I mean, it's like yeah. the scariest thing you can do is talk to a group of people. And I do have to give a lot of credit to the Naked Farm for continually pushing me out of my comfort zone. Because yeah, well, I mean, put yeah. into yeah. these situations where I have to do things and you know talk to sponsors and um, and do talks and well, you're the face of this thing. Yeah, you know, you're the you're the guy. So let's talk about that. How let's did you go from the anxiety to getting your kit off? Yeah, let, well, let's talk about like the naked farmer. <laughs> right. You know, like let's talk about its inception and, and how it and came how about. So I'll about. start right at the beginning where it all started. Um, so me and a good mate of mine, Emma Cross, we thought it'd be a great idea to do a bit of a calendar, and every month of the calendar was me naked around the farm, and it was a bit of a bit of a joke. F- for me, mate, so I was going to give it to him for Christmas. Bit of a piss take. Yeah, so um, <laughs> sloppy rigs all around. Um, but then, yeah, so we took two photos and didn't end up happening that year because harvest come along and whatever, and it was that photo of me during harvest, Emma popped out and, um, yeah, I was in a, the truck full of lentils and um, and she took that shot and then it wasn't until that following year when I was sitting on the tractor and, I was actually planting those same lentil seeds back in the ground and I actually posted that photo on my social media um, and, yeah, got a lot of attention and I was like, why did that get so much attention? And it was because I was naked, of course, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to dedicate an Instagram to naked farmers and my idea back then was to educate people on where their food and fibre comes from because there's a huge disconnect there between the people that grow our food and our end consumers. And I just wanted people to appreciate what farmers actually do for us just so we can, you know, go to the supermarket and grab that milk and those veggies. Like, it's people don't actually understand what people go through. Mm. Um, and then within the first month, you know, we grew quite rapidly and, um, and yeah, the photos got sent in and it's sort of, I looked at the followers and most of the followers weren't people from cities or towns. It was, it was farmers themselves. And I wanted to use the platform for something positive. And, um, that's when I decided, you know, it takes guts to get your gear off as it takes guts to talk about mental health. And that's, that's something that I've been through, like I've just talked about. And it's, and I've lost an uncle to suicide when I was, when I was younger as well. So it's, um, something that I'm extremely passionate about and, and I feel absolutely honoured to be a part of this community that's that's being created. And 100% credit goes to each and every one of those followers and people that like the photos and comments and all that type of thing because they are the naked farmers. I'm just putting it all together. And, yeah, it's pretty amazing to, to share people's stories on their behalf and actually, you know, get them out there and, and feel confident, you know, telling their stories. And I think it's a really powerful thing to do. Mate, it is, yeah. It's so, unreal. So your um, everything that you like, what we were just talking about with the anxiety and everything growing up, like you had, uh, like obviously drawn a distinct, you know, relationship between mental health and what you were going through. Like you knew that what everything you'd been through was like your own version of you know poor mental health, I suppose. Or yeah, uh, and at the point of when it all started, I fully understood anxiety at this stage. I just finished building my house, so I was at that stage of on a big high from from doing that and um and I was ready to to kick it in the nuts basically 
and just want to keep the ball rolling. Yeah. Mate, so yeah. why do you think it? Like from my point of view, obviously, you know, the naked. What you're saying about your post, you know, being naked. It's like, oh, that's different. People like that, you know. And is that, you know, when we're talking vulnerability and people getting naked, I suppose. That why it's really resonated with people so well because it's kind of something that people don't ordinarily do. It's something that that pushes your limits and something that makes you feel uncomfortable. But yeah, and you got to be gutsy to do it. Exactly, and that's what mental health is. Like it's it's really hard to deal with, but if we expose it and talk about it, it's something that we can we can work on and and you know work to a positive. Outcome, mate, hundred percent, yeah. And so I mean, you must have, well, like you were saying, like heaps of stories. You know, is there are there ones that stand out that have sort of been like, holy shit, like this is like a really powerful thing, like a someone. yeah. So yeah, so the very first year, I, me and Emma, we went right around mainland Australia, and I think we went to like we caught up with about forty farmers all up um, in fourteen days. So like we went to, you know, we did seventeen female farmers and farmers wives. And um, and then, yeah, we went from WA to Northern Territory, Queensland, all that. So many amazing stories. And, you know, that one I was talking about, Camille, earlier, that was incredible, like actually getting the inside of anorexia and how that worked and um, how she deals with it and still to this day, how she, you know, how her mind works with trying to deal with it. Um we just recently come back from Tassie and that was incredible. And there's this one guy in particular, his name's Carl. And he, I think it was about 17 years ago, he was given a year to live because of his, um, I can't exactly remember what it's called, but he's a miracle. And his doctor set, tells him every time he sees him, he's like, you're still alive. You're a bloody miracle. And it's 17 years later. And that's because he looks at life in a positive way and, I've never been so inspired by a person ever. He's, I can't wait to get his story out. I'm actually publishing a book um, later on next year and his story will be in there and it's just incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, and yeah, other stories are, you know, postnatal depression from a lady in Tassie as well. She, the way that she talked about, like that's something that I've never, um, no one in my family or has ever talked about or anything, I've never you know, heard much about it. And the way that she explained that was, um, yeah, is I've, yeah, it's incredible. Eye-opening. Yeah, it was really yeah. eye-opening. And, yeah, it makes me even more passionate about it. And I just, I just want to know more and help more. And, um, and, and yeah, so, yeah, stories everywhere we went, everyone had their own story and it was incredible. Mate, everyone does, yeah, have their own story. It's interesting, uh, like with the farming community and the rural community and like the three things that you just spoke about were nothing of what I would assume that most farmers would be, you know, ringing in about, like yeah. talking about like they're struggling with drought or it's finances, like some of the anxiety, some of the postnatal depression and, you know, someone else has been given, you know, a terminal um, ticket out of here. Like yeah. it's, it's, yeah, that's a, a quite a different narrative as to what I was sort of You're expecting, expecting. everyone to be talking about the drought. Yeah, and like, and like you know, like that, because mm. that's just something that's obviously been gripping the rural community for a while now. Yep. But, I mean, it's it's bloody credit to you that you're not just getting one thing. Like, you're actually getting across so many different 
uh, mm. walks of life. But I yeah. think that just goes to show that when the conversation currently is so heavily around the drought, yeah, and that's, that's just one extra thing on top of what people are just dealing with in their day to day lives. Anyway, yeah, anyway, definitely, you know I mean? definitely. Like it's just yeah, like one yeah. thing on top, and I suppose, yeah, being city, you know, like you don't, yeah, you don't really consider that. You think, oh, geez, it's just about the drought, but it's no way. Every single thing else, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, 100%. I'm just, yeah, it's awesome that that's mm. a, a quite a, yeah. So how are you recording variety. these stories? So you're going to, so you, how do you go from not being, going <laughs> going into a shopping centre, supermarket, to publishing a freaking book and speaking on stage? Like, it's just a, it's a crack of a story, mate. Like, it's cool. Yeah, it's nuts when you actually think about it. How are you <laughs> recording? <laughs> do you ever stop and think about it? This is like, do you ever stop and reflect on where you've come, what you've been through? Um, and in a know. quick amount of time too You said three years ago Two years ago So two years <laughs> yeah. and Yeah a few months or whatever It was May two, Like yeah May like, yeah, 2017 or something So do you give yourself enough time To, so, to, to think about it? Uh, I'm too busy to even stop But And that's actually something else I probably should talk about too um, About running myself in the ground But um, Yeah so it wasn't until Like two months ago My grandma just had a knee Rico And She was house you know, ridden because she wasn't, couldn't leave. And I had this interview with ABC in my local town. I was, you know, had to go in there. And I said, Grandma, come with me for for the morning and we'll go, you know, do this interview. So she sat there and sat outside the studio and watched me speak and, and um, yeah, did my interview and walked out and she goes, Ben, bloody hell, how the hell did you just do that? How did you speak so good? And, like, she was blown away. And that's when I was like, Oh, yeah, a couple of years ago, I just couldn't do anything. I could not do that. Uh, if I had that in my brain that I was going to do a, you know, a radio interview or something, I would be, you know, I would put wheat bix in a bag and put it on the ground and pretend I was sick just so I didn't have to do it or something. Like, I would make an excuse. But that's when it really sunk in. And, um, yeah, that was – and that was only, yeah, a couple of weeks. Or months ago, like two months ago. So wow. that's awesome. That's awesome. And I suppose you know how you know you as a bloke now. Like, how do you look after your own mental health? Like, what's your your thing? Yeah. So I've because of last year, um, because we've been I've been so flat out just trying to do the naked farmer and um, and you're running a family farm. At yeah, home family too. farm as well, and and I do a few other bits and pieces as well that um, on the side. But it's. Yeah, so I was trying to juggle everything and I was running Naked Farmer on my own at this stage and every, uh, at least once a month, I would make myself that sick, dehydrated, ran down, I would end up in hospital on the drip for, you know, for a couple of days and, and then I would be out of action for like a week. Oh, so, shit. Um, so I was getting nothing done because I was, you know, work for work two weeks and the then, bone. you know, sick for two weeks. So it was just, yeah. It was terrible, but, um, and that happened for the whole year. And I wasn't learning from my mistakes. It just kept happening. And it wasn't until, like, my best mate, um, Mason, he sat me down. Mason's sitting here in the studio, by he's the way. He's our first guest. Hey. Our first sit in guest. <laughs> and, um, Dude, yeah. He's nice and quiet over there, he isn't is, he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, yeah, so he sat me down and he goes, Ben, you need to, like, Think about this and don't run yourself down. Like if you're not running at a hundred percent, you can't give a hundred percent and you need to look after yourself to help others. And Fuck, that's good advice. And, um, nailed it. And 
that's when I was like, I, I actually, we made a pact that, you know, this year, not getting sick. Yeah. I haven't been sick once. Mate, it's oh. awesome. And, I, and that's, a, you know, a key thing that we speak about often. It's like, yeah, you've got to prioritise yourself. 100%. And if you're not looking after yourself, you know, you, you, everyone around you yep. um, isn't going to get the best of you. So, yeah. So you Mason nailed that. You cruise around with Mason. I met you and yourself and Mason at the Gimpy Master. I mean, yep. that's. I mean, I know he's in the room, so he can hear us. But you know, <laughs> must be good having a support network. It is like that, right? A hundred percent. And that's that's something that's really important is having that support people around you and and a good network. And that's why, yeah, I tag him along with everything. He does all the filming and you know puts a lot to all the filming and that videos together and. And that for the socials and and you're just the pretty face of it all and yeah, pretty much, <laughs> but yeah. So he keeps me intact, make sure I'm eating well and drinking well and um, and all that. If I forget, because I always forget to drink water. Um, but yeah, so lucky we're only on the waters in the studio today. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks, quote spec. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so yeah, thanks to Mace that yeah keeps me on track and um gets me to where I need to be and all that type of thing like today. Mate, that's great. That's, that's great. Awesome. And I suppose did you um I suppose well yeah, you you not like no one's ever over their anxiety or anything like that, but you know what were there any other steps that you've taken recently like because I'm sure you've learned a shitload. Oh, you know, cuz I you know, you're sort of the same with us like we're not mental health professionals, but we've all got a common narrative of trying to change the face of this shit and get people talking. Yeah. Um and like I I can speak for Dan and I like we've learned like so much in the last 18 months, two years yeah. um, around mental health. Like what are the, some of the things that you've learnt and like, uh, yeah, sort of doing with yourself, I suppose. Yeah, so with me, my biggest thing is eating well. If I eat good food and not crap all the time, um, if I feel good, I'm, I'm awesome. Yeah. Um, that's probably my biggest thing. My next thing would be just like a little bit of exercise each, each morning, like, even if it's a hundred skips on, with a skipping rope, yes, like as long as I Somebody get out of bed, do that, yeah. yeah, um, or scale a drink, like glass of water in the morning, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that's something so simple like that just gets me going, um, in the morning, um, but also by the sounds of it, it sounds like you're super um self aware as well yeah. now, you know, oh, yeah, like I have signs now that like this is stupid to actually happen today, but like my eye starts to hurt a little bit and I actually get, start getting a bloodshot eye and I know that I'm starting to get run down a little bit. Yeah, right. And I was... Everyone's yeah. got their triggers, don't they? Yeah. yeah, and I like I was on the plane and I said to Mason, I'm like, shit, I'm starting to get... Like, my eye's starting to hurt and he looked at it and he goes, yeah, you're getting bloodshot eye. So, sculled some water and um, and now I'm good. But, um, and yeah, and that's a good thing with sitting on a plane. You can sort of just sit and reflect and um, take time out. And that's something else that's really, really important is having that time... Um, to relax and like whenever I go check my sheep, I put my phone on airplane mode and just ignore social media and go check my sheep and do what I got to do down there and and then once I leave those gates, turn it back on and um, and that's a good way for me to good time out. I yeah. think that's one of the most important things because yeah, I mean you know maybe for yours you know maybe it's anxiety, but for it's for everyone else it's different. But it's yeah. super important to recognise those those triggers or those mm. situations and really take time out for yourself and just yeah. slow down, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And another thing I do is not sit on my phone in bed and go through social media and um, Swi- like switch it off. Switch, switch off. Yeah. Yeah. And actually have. What I like, I watch a little bit of Netflix and then um, everyone dabbles with that. What are you watching at the moment? Um, I started watching Raising Dion. All right. Which is like this little magical kid and 
Yeah. Yeah, right. That's pretty good. Nice, <laughs> nice. So tell us what's uh, what's coming up because you're doing speaking gigs. Yep. Firstly, like, yeah, that. The, all this speaking stuff, incredible. Like, because that is, as Ed said. That's such a credit to you. As Ed said, like, that is, like, people's, that's people's biggest, biggest fear, fear in life is public yeah, speaking. Yeah, it literally is. Uh, I totally relate with that. And I remember, yeah, doing my first little speaking gig and it was actually at my old school and I was shitting bricks um, up there and I was shaking the whole time I was talking. But I was talking about the naked farmer and I was just talking about, you know, something that I do every day. So the next one come along and still nervous, but, you know, did all right. And then I just got better and better. And now I'm at the stage now that, you know, I'm doing a big thing in Brisbane tomorrow, which is the International Youth Conference. And um, and I've got a full presentation and, you know, I'll be up on stage for half an hour. Like if I got told that I had to speak for half an hour, I would like – Five minutes. Yeah, we're gonna feel that. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. What can I do? Like, can so I play yeah. a video for fifteen minutes? <laughs> how does this look? Because what? So, are you doing a PowerPoint? Uh, so I'm doing like so. There's a two minute quick video to introduce me, yep. and then I'll be um, giving the rundown of the Naked Farmer. Um, I'll be doing saying like my story, and then I've got just a few photos on the PowerPoint, which is from the Tassie tour. So um, I'll be just be going through the people that I caught up with and their stories and. Um, some yeah visuals of um, naked farms and what it's all about. Epic, mate. Epic. Awesome, mate. What? Sorry. No, you're right. What's uh, what's next or what's down the down the line? Where do you where do you want to take it? What do you want to yeah, do with it? So um, at this point, so we're just like um, just finished our Tassie tour. We're getting our calendars out um, for 2020, which is all to raise money for the Royal Flying Doctor Service Rural Mental Health. Um, so they're rolling out at the moment and. Got our undies um, coming in the next couple of months as well, just before Chrissy. So that's something Lovely. super exciting. Well, that's confusing, isn't the idea that you don't want people to be wearing anything? Oh, it is, but <laughs> you've got to wear something. <laughs> yeah, you also got to be safe around the farm. Of course, of and, course. Um, Safety and first, good call. And some people don't like to get fully nude either. So it's, yeah, and you can always, you don't have to wear them. You can just chuck them up. In there. Yeah, you know, give <laughs> yeah. them to someone. Be creative. Yeah, Come on. yeah, for sure. Um, wear them as a wrestling mask. <laughs> The first batch of undies, I actually got a photo and it was around a Christmas table and everyone in the family was wearing the naked farmer undies on their head. Oh, really? So, yeah, there you awesome. go. Wrestlers. Awesome. Perfect. Exactly. Love it. And the book. What about the book? Yeah, so that'll be um, hopefully later on next year. Um, but next year's going to be my biggest tour yet. Um, in August for the whole month, I'm teaming up with Jody Morton from Green, Golden Blues on Instagram. Um, and yeah, we're doing a horseback tour through New South Wales and Queensland. So never ridden a horse... So I actually started. Um, well, you'll be, you'll, yeah, so you'll know how to by the end of it. Here I am thinking everyone from the I'm from Sydney. Here I'm thinking everyone who lives on a property just gets around on a horse. Like yeah, not not McLeod's daughters. All yeah, the time. McLeod, exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> everyone wears a f- yeah brand new set of RMs every day. So like in yeah, Sydney, yeah. everyone wears a fedora. <laughs> no, they don't. But you know, I'm a misconception. <laughs> miss, a miss what? Misconception. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Uh, yeah. Benny, yeah. it's been it's been bloody awesome. I mean, uh, it's a, a really quality story. I mean, credit to you for what you're doing. Um, journey and where you've been through and where you are now. I mean, it's uh, I, I know our listeners are going to get a lot out of that because uh, there'll be a lot of people out there that uh, can relate um, either with themselves or, or someone around them. So, yeah, awesome, awesome chat, mate. Are we going to see a bit of uh, – are you going to miss this? 
Are we going to see I'm a bit of... Taken? Yeah. yeah, you are, right. Yeah. I was thinking, no, no farmer wants a wife, no, none of that. I've already been approached. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> have you? Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, right. That would have been perfect. They want you. Yeah, they did. But, yeah, no. Yeah, right. Can't have me. <laughs> Gone. Taken. Oh, I love it. Nice, mate. Um, awesome. Thanks for um, thanks so much for coming in, mate. And, no um, worries. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll have to get a photo. I uh, have to get a photo, too. We'll have to go out and... Somehow get we've uh, got get one. We've somewhere. got one in the bathtub. Yeah, but it's not farm related. <laughs> yeah, but it's, we'll get know, something. We'll get something. Yeah, yeah. righto. Can't wait to get naked with you. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Righto. Let's, <laughs> let's get our kid off in here for this photo, then, shall we? Yeah. Righto. Thanks again, Ben. Really appreciate no it. Mate. And uh, no, thank you. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Yeah. No, thanks, thanks, mate. thanks mate. Good on you. If you're a fan of Trade Mutt's One Twenty Grit podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram, or shoot us an email at admin at trademart.com.